I'd like to thank you personally for the leave that you gave Anita and me this past week or so. Uh, we are uh, doing well, uh, having walked many miles, and yet I still was able to gain five pounds. I can't understand the algebra involved. Um, I also want to thank Bill personally for, as usual, doing such a great job uh, taking care of things in my absence. You know, we are a storied people, so let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a woodcutter who had two children. Once upon a time, there was a young girl who was a stepchild named Cinderella. Once upon a time is, in fact, real time as much as it is fairy tale time because we, at the very heart of our souls, are a storied people. Every minute we live is just one tiny part of a cosmic story that we live in each day. Each day we wake up wondering what the day will bring, and each night. Let me tell you a story. This is the truth. I dreamt it last night. It was in my dream, Christ the King Sunday, just like now. And it was the day that we were rolling out our new hymnals, just like now. And it was the day that we will sing through the Christian year, just like now. And I was excited because I feel like that this new hymnal is a cool thing and needed for reasons that I will get into throughout the year. But the main reason is because this hymnal has so much prayer time and devotion built into it, and that it is set up in a way that tells the whole story of God's salvation, starting with creation, into the end of all fulfillment. I like that movement of story. But as usual in my dreams, just like when I was in college, I was unprepared. I was standing out in the narthex with a t-shirt on and a pair of shorts and barefooted, and it was three minutes until 11, and I didn't know where my robe was to cover myself up, nor had I written a word on my sermon. And the door opens, and three couples, middle-aged, mainline Presbyterian, I guess they could have edged over into Episcopalian, you know, us, walk in, and they're visiting. And so I'm over in the narthex, not fully dressed. I don't want to introduce myself to them, of course. So I watch them. Hopefully they'll come in. They pick up a bulletin, and they start looking at it. And as they're looking, they see that the, the litany that is in the bulletin is kind of weird because we're singing a lot of hymns in it. And, and so uh, they go into this little huddle and start whispering, and then they walk out the door back into the sidewalk. And so... Oh, what am I going to do? So I grab Jean Grant Dooley and send her out to 
try to convince them to come back in and visit with us. I was anxious that, you know, this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and as usual, the numbers would be low. A lot of people are traveling. I was anxious they might think that we're, you know, a contemporary church or a traditional church or whatever they would think. I wanted them to feel welcomed so that they would at least come in and give us a try. So Gene comes, goes out and talks them into coming back in, and they come to the door, and I wake up. I have no idea if I found my robes if I, or what I preached. I have no idea if they made it past the door and sat down during the service. I woke up. No reconciliation, no resolution to the story. It felt like, well, here I am again now, standing in front of you. So I feel like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, knowing that I'm about to go through the same thing over and over again, only this time I am better dressed. And the reason I didn't like the story I dreamt was because I didn't like the ending, which was none. None of us like stories that have no resolution. We want some resolution. They're so much like soap operas. My particular two favorites, I will confess, are Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. I watch them while I work out in which surprising and astonishing things happen, yet the characters never really change. Some die, some come on again, but their character never changes. They still seem stuck in that same human, broken, fatal flaw that keeps them tripping over themselves and falling into the same ditch. And so you watch next week and next week, hoping that something might happen, something might in fact change them into something else. But it's this repetitive loop, the same sort of storylines. Yet we come back because we want to see some resolution. We are a storied people. So what makes a good story? Any good storyteller will tell you, as would the woman who wrote both Scandal and Grey's Anatomy, that there are two basic conflicts that must be apparent in every good story. The first is love, either found, broken, requited, unrequited, and the other is death. The existential conflict that we all struggle with when we are first aware of the fact that we are mortal and finite. And those two conflicts of love and death are at the ground of every good story. Like this story we tell each other at church about Jesus. It starts out sweet enough, he's a babe born in a manger, but the ending is tragic. We call it Good Friday because of how God was able to redeem it, but in fact, it was bad. It was as bad as anything in history. The hero who was supposed to save the world with his superhero powers ends up not even able to save himself. A complete failure by the world's standards, suffering on a cross and at its tragic end, We, they, mocked him by putting a sign above him that reads, King of the Jews, ha. 
So this brings us to the story as it is received by us through the gospel according to Luke from the 23rd chapter. May God open up to us an understanding of this word. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Yeah, right. Well, actually, yes, right. Christ is the king, which is why we tell this story here in church year after year. And as we look back on his life and his death and his resurrection, we see that sovereignty, the sovereign one, is, was, and ever shall be a reflection of the very sovereignty of God. Not the King Arthur kind of king, not the Napoleon Bonaparte kind of king, not the military or political power kind of king, but the sovereign one over two things that make life a story, love and death. This is the story we tell in church. It is of a God who turns tragedy into comedy, sometimes even in this world in some places, but the promise is in all time and in every place in the world to come, God turns tragedy into comedy. The story we tell in this church is that death and tragedy does not have the last word. God does. The story we tell in this church is that God, who is beyond time, continues to weave the threads of redemption and reconciliation and resolution into the cosmic tapestry of salvation. Even after the music ends and all the credits have long since run through, God is still writing and rewriting and weaving those threads of creation, salvation, into the story. So we come to a time now for us, a time when we sing, like all who sing, the glory of God. We sing around the story and we tell in this place through the liturgical story of God's salvation history what we know. And we tell it through song, which is woven all through our new hymnal, beginning with God's creation and ending, I said, with God's fulfillment. And to start this story, we have to start where all stories start at the beginning, which for us liturgically is Advent. It means beginning. It symbolically points to our waiting, preparing ourselves for the coming one, either as a child born in a manger or as a fully complete adult who comes and finally brings all things to fulfillment. And so let us sing hymn number 82, verse 1. Stay seated for this hymn. 
Actually did pretty good considering it's Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, but you can do better. And if you choose not to sing, at least read carefully the words, for the words tell the story as well as anything I can say. We prepare for four weeks for the coming of Christ in the manger. And the miracle of Christmas that we proclaim in our story is that God, who is infinitely larger than we are, and at such an infinite distance that we cannot even comprehend this God, makes God's self known to us in this vulnerable child born far from home in a manger. Truly human, yet we proclaim also truly divine as word made flesh. Please stand and sing hymn 133, verse 1. You may be seated. I think really my favorite season, it's not dramatic, but in many ways, for me at least, helps me understand more who God is and who God, what God is like. My favorite season is epiphany. It means an insight, something breaking in on us. And we celebrate it, of course, through we three kings of Orient art, the star of leading the kings through the darkness of night to the, to the manger itself. And what it symbolizes to me, at least, is that this light, this star, is illuminating our path, even as it may 
sometimes be, it illuminates our path even in the darkness. And that this God, who I said is both infinitely distant and yet as close to us and vulnerable to us as our own breath, is the very source of this light. 